Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel Open Mic Friday, September the 13th in the year of our Lord, 2019. Friday the 13th? Some people think it's unlucky, but every day is a great day in the Lord, obviously, because we're alive and have the opportunity to share the message with others. Now, you may have a question about the message, either something we said during the week or something you've had on your mind. You can phone me, Tom Baker, right now, and we'll be glad to answer a question that you might have. And the numbers are 821-0850. That's in the St. Louis area. Toll free, one 800 Seven three zero two seven two seven, and I think we're ready to start the calls right now. We're going to uh, begin with Lori. Lori, you're on the air. Hi. Hi. I have a question about. It says go and preach the gospel to every creature. Why doesn't it say? Law and gospel. Aren't you supposed to preach the law also? And I'll hang up and listen. Thank you. Thank you very much for calling. Why doesn't it say go preach law and gospel? Well, as I've said a number of times, words in the original Hebrew and Greek can have more than one meaning. For example, the word law can mean moral law, civil law, ceremonial law. It can refer to the first use of the law, the second use of the law, the third use of the law. It's got about 12 different meanings. And you need to look at the context. So when it says God had Moses bring the law down from Mount Sinai, you know the law there is referring to the Ten Commandments. When he talks about sacrificing certain animals, that's referring to the ceremonial law. The word gospel also has different meanings. Sometimes it means just the word gospel in the sense of the good news of Jesus Christ. But other times it refers to the message from God, including law and gospel. So though the law has a different purpose than the gospel, namely to make it clear that we are sinners in need of a savior, and the gospel tells how God resolved that problem of our sin, the word gospel sometimes can be used in the context of simply the good news of Jesus Christ and other times referring to the gospel. So when John the baptizer preached repentance, he was also preaching the gospel. Why? Because as he said, there's one coming after me whose sandals I'm not even worthy to untie, and yet he will be preaching something that's a lot better than what I'm preaching because he'll be anointing you with the Holy Spirit. So that's why when we talk about that we need to preach the gospel, it's kind of like a doctor. Let, let me give this as an analogy. If a doctor says, I practice medicine, 
he doesn't refer just to treatment. He also refers to diagnosis. So even though he says, I practice medicine, and people think, well, yeah, you give out medicine to help us. No, the practicing of medicine includes the diagnosis of what's wrong with you so he can decide just what medicine to give out. And so therefore, the word gospel, and all you need to do is get a concordance, look up the word gospel, and you'll be able to see from the context that sometimes it means law and gospel, and other times it just means gospel. But a, a great question. Let's keep on going down the line, and let's talk with Ruth. Ruth, you're on the air. Hi. I just had a comment about the atheist lady. Yes. Um, if she baptized people, you know, along the way and baptized them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, even though she's atheist now or may have been atheist at the time, those baptisms are valid because it's God's work, not her work. Yes, were you in... Now, is your radio on? I think I hear your radio in the background. Yeah. Um, you, you want to turn it down? Um, or is it too far away? It's across the room. Oh, okay, okay. You are correct in what you are saying. And um, let me... Uh, uh, as you get off the air right now, because uh, the radio's on, I'll explain that. Thank you very much for calling. There was a heresy in the early church. And it was a heresy that said that when pastors baptize or give the Lord's Supper, that is only valid if they are believers. And, and you see, that sounds like it's making sense because how can an unbelieving pastor... Uh, distribute properly baptism in the Lord's Supper. He or she doesn't believe in it, and therefore, how can it be valid? But the church came out against that heresy and says it doesn't depend on the faith of the pastor, but as Ruth put it so well, it depends on the Word of God. Uh, for example, every now and then, even in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, we remove a pastor either because of a immoral lifestyle or because he no longer believes. Now, do people have to wonder whether or not when they took the Lord's Supper or had their children baptized or themselves baptized, were those valid sacraments? Did those really work? And the answer is, yes, they did, because they depend on the Word of God. Uh, for example, uh, my wife worked at uh, a hospital. It was a Roman Catholic hospital, St. Mary's in St. Louis, right near the uh, seminary. And occasionally, a baby would be born, and it was possible that it wasn't going to continue to live. And so the mother would ask the physician whether or not he'd be willing to baptize the child. We even have a shortened version of baptism in the hymnal that is able to be done by lay people. Now, let's say the doctor goes ahead and does that baptism. 
Does she have to wonder whether or not the doctor was a Christian or whether or not he had faith in Jesus Christ? No. Now, normally what would happen at that hospital is a Roman Catholic priest would come in and do the baptism, which would be a valid baptism. But occasionally there could have been a lay person who was a physician who did the baptism. That baptism was valid because, number one, it was requested by the parents, and number two, it used the words that Jesus indicated, baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So the best example I can give as to where someone really wasn't looking forward to preaching and yet it converted a lot of people is, of course, Jonah. That was the Sunday school lesson, uh, for example, this week. And what we talked about was kind of interesting that uh, Jonah, he didn't want to go to Nineveh. He did not want to preach to the Ninevites. They were Gentiles. So here he's preaching, but I guarantee you he did not have much enthusiasm about that. Uh, By the way, the Sunday school lesson was on Noah, not Jonah. The two names are so close, I get them mixed up. But Jonah was the one who got swallowed by a large fish. And he was not happy when the whole town of Nineveh ended up repenting of their sins and believed in the true God. And yet, he did not want that to happen. Remember, he went up on the mountain and was angry with God. And he was looking forward to seeing that God would destroy the Ninevites, and they did not. So sometimes when I've done a sermon and did not put in sufficient preparation for it, I'm always surprised how people still get wonderful messages from it because God is using the word, even if it's not prepared that well, to touch the hearts of individuals. So... Ruth is absolutely correct. Baptisms done in the name of God, even by an unbeliever, would be valid. Let's continue on down the line, and let's talk with Cheryl. Hi. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I I started listening to the discussion you were having about um, about the woman woman pastor. Yes. And um, I was uh, listening on uh, Wednesday when you were doing the uh, the Bible study for uh, Ezekiel 34. Yes, about I'm Jesus the shepherd. And that reminded me of uh, the verses in First uh, Peter um, chapter two, where um, he talks about uh, in chapter two. Uh, he talks about uh, Jesus, uh, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And then in chapter 5, he goes on, and it, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. 
shepherd the flock of God that is among you, yes. exercising oversight. Not yet. And so the pastor is an under-shepherd, and I don't see how this woman who is an atheist can be an under-shepherd of Christ, <laughs> and caring for the souls of the those who trust in Christ for uh, it's just really mind-boggling. <laughs> well, I was uh, taking a look at that in further detail. There is a group. It's an online community of ex-clergy that lost their faith. It's called the Clergy Project, founded in 2011 by an atheist. And they're now getting their 1,000th participant in it. And um, as you read, as I read through the article, it uh, indicated that these people no longer believe in God. Some of them have left the church and they become what they call humanists or atheists. And they feel freed from what the Bible has been saying. Um, you say you can't imagine how a woman can be a clergy. I absolutely agree that from God's point of view, no woman who says she's a pastor is really a pastor in God's view. But that doesn't mean that people don't recognize her as a pastor. For example, there was a disciple of Jesus who obviously went to hell. His name was Judas, but we still refer to him as being one of the disciples of Jesus. But he did not have the faith that was what we would consider to be necessary to be a disciple. So it's one thing to recognize that these folks have the title of pastor. It's another thing to recognize God does not recognize them as a pastor. And therefore, whether they're an atheist or whether they're not, it's not much difference to God's point of view. Yeah, okay. Thanks so much for your program. And thank you for calling. Bye. Bye. Yeah, anybody else may call. We were getting a little buzz there, but it's 8210850 here in St. Louis or anywhere in North America 1-800-730-2727. Some of you may have been wondering about both Folks were talking about this atheist minister, Greta Vosper. Uh, she actually is a so-called pastor in the United Church of Canada. And what happened is they allowed her to continue as a pastor because the church supported her. I don't know what kind of members they got at that church in Canada, but obviously they don't have much insight into Holy Scripture. I mean, that'd be like asking Judas to be your pastor. And, of course, we would hope nobody would do that. Okay, I think we're back on the line now, and we're going to talk to David. Hi, David. You're on the air. Hello, my friend. Uh, my question pertains to why is there such a big divide over why some people believe in original sin, some don't. Some people believe you have to reach the age of accountability before baptism, and others would baptize infants because of original sin. 
because they don't look at the scripture where it says very clearly, remember, in sin did my mother conceive me, that a child is born as a sinner. And that's why it's necessary to have baptism for a, a baby in order that they may be taken from the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of God. Now, why do people not believe? Well, they look at a little child and say, how can God consider that child uh, to be a, a, a sinner? And they put the image of God, they change it from what the Bible says, they're looking at God in their own image. I mean, how many times have you seen a mother bring a newborn child home and visitors are coming, oh, it's so cute, it's so wonderful, it's so beautiful, and they just can't imagine that from God's point of view, that is a child that is separated from him at that point, unless he has done something, like he did with John the Baptizer, where he actually converted him in the womb and sent to him the Holy Spirit. So God has ways of bringing children outside of baptism into his holy church, but we don't recognize that just by looking at a child. And so, therefore, this idea of original sin also comes about because of a false view of how a person becomes a Christian. They believe you become a Christian by choosing to become a Christian. And therefore, they have prayers for you to say where you invite Christ into your heart. Now, how an unbeliever would ever want to invite Christ into their heart is beyond me. I, I can't understand why they teach this, because unbelievers are unbelievers. That would be like inviting Judas into your heart or Satan into your heart. Nobody would do that who is a believer. Then how can an unbeliever invite Christ until they have faith? And once they have faith, there's no need to invite Christ into their heart because he's already there or else they wouldn't have that expression of faith. Is that helpful? Yeah, it, it is helpful. Yeah, I, I always thought, you know, you put a couple small children in a playpen and you see they start to fight over a toy or whatever. They have a sinful nature. I know. I was yeah. listening to a, a comic who was talking about he had twins and he said, you know, what do you how would you describe two year old twins who are in a room by themselves? And he said, did you ever see the movie Twister? <laughs> which is about a hurricane and a tornado, excuse me. And he says, within 10 minutes, you'll have cows flying through the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, true, true. Okay, well, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for calling. Thank you. Yeah. This, this is something we need to really understand, the human nature to sin. And everyone has this nature since the fall of Adam and Eve into sin. And that's why it's important to share with them the wonderful good news of how God takes care of our sin. Not by making us good and worthy of salvation, but for dying on the cross for our sins. And we'll move right on to Sandy. Sandy, you're on the air. Yes, real quick, just a comment about 
uh, little children believing. Uh, should we believe Jesus when he says so, as in the account when uh, people were bringing their little ones to him? And I think the Greek indicates they were infants, if not little ones. And those were covenant children. And the disciples were trying to get them away, get them away. And he says, let the children come to me. Who And it's who believe in me. It would be better that a millstone be tied around the neck for anyone to have one of these little ones who believe in me to sin. And uh, those were covenant children. Our baptized children are covenant children. Jesus says it. I believe it. Um, are you a mother? I'm a grandma. Oh, a grandma. So you were a mother. Uh, of course I was in yeah, the natural obviously. process. In okay. the natural process of things, yes, sir. Well, here's my question. When uh, your newborn was about, say, a week old, did you get the impression that the newborn trusted you? Uh, absolutely. Yes. What is absolutely. this nonsense about children can't have trust, trust in something? But Jesus tells us these little ones do. Those were covenant children. And in Colossians, baptism is connected to the circumcision without hands. Uh, let's believe what he says rather than what man says, Pastor. That's my comment. That's Thank a you. wonderful comment. Thank you so much for calling. Uh, really, um, as I've often said, the Bible says it. That settles it. Uh, this is when, when I'm driving for Uber. I always love getting into conversations, and it occurs about 30 to 40% of the time that we actually can get into a religious conversation with uh, a passenger and when they're asking questions, I make a point to make it clear that my answers are on the basis of the Bible. And they'll say, well, the Bible can be interpreted in many different ways. And I say, well, there are some passages where we're not sure what it means. Like Paul talks about the baptism of the dead. There's about 15 options there. But in other places, the context makes it really clear. And when we talk about the message to give to individuals who are not Christian, we always try and give a message that is absolutely clear. Who would deny in reading the Bible that Jesus died on the cross? And who would deny that he says he died in order to have us receive the gift of the forgiveness of sins. And who would deny that he paid the punishment for us? Those are not places in the Bible that are questionable. And remember that so-called pastor woman in Canada who's an atheist, she says she was following what her seminary was teaching and this is why it's so important, if you're thinking of going to a seminary, that you make sure, well, that it's a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod Seminary, because for a very simple reason, we speak God's word properly. The seminary at St. Louis, the seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And therefore, you can check what we believe because Scripture interprets Scripture. That's really, really important. So how Christians cannot understand that children ought to be baptized, well, they do so in light of what another 
phone caller said today, they don't believe in original sin. They don't believe their children are really sinners, and they want to wait to an age of accountability, which is, what, 10, 11, 12 years old. Yet, up to that age of accountability, they are punishing their children when they're disobedient. So they think they regard children as not reaching an age of accountability until 12, and they can punish them, but God would not? No. Children are sinners, just like adults are. And therefore, that's why when God says through Peter in Acts chapter 2, be baptized, and it indicates both you and your children, as well as those who are far off. And that's referring to Gentiles. And there's not one place in the Bible where a child is refused salvation. I'm Tom Baker, and uh, the next Law and Gospel will be Monday. By the way, I am free on Sundays to be preaching, so if you need a preacher, don't hesitate to call me or email me at lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com. And also, I am available for a half hour to an hour of doing magician tricks for children from a Lutheran point of view. Till Monday, God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.